Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host. And in today's episode, I interview Matthew Ferraro. Matthew has recently just finished up as a rehabilitation coordinator for the North Melbourne Football Club. Before working in rehab, Matthew was the strength and conditioning coach and high performance manager of the VFL program and worked at Collingwood Football Club as a strength and conditioning coach in the VFL and AFL program. Highlights from this episode. We discussed the importance of getting experience early on in your coaching career. Matt's experience is both good and bad working in elite sport. Matthew shared his love for the environment at North Melbourne Football Club. And throughout the whole episode, Matt provides lots of practical tips for developing strength and conditioning coaches. Before we start this episode, for those wanting to improve your 2K time trial and gain a competitive edge this preseason, hire a Prepare Like a Pro coach and join our individualized coaching package. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose other than the time on your 2K time trial. Head to preparelikeapro.com and join our email list to receive a free masterclass and seven-day trial on our online program. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Thanks for having me, Jack. Looking forward to chatting. Last time we, we uh, saw each other was in uh, the Great Ocean Road, mate, the beautiful place of Fairhaven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a little bit of different times we find ourselves now, but um, we won't spend too much time on all the COVID stuff because that, <laughs> that could take us down a rabbit hole. But take us back to the beginning of your, of your career, mate. Um, what age did you discover you had a passion for, for strength and conditioning? Yeah, I probably took a bit of a convoluted path, Jack. I was always really passionate about my health and fitness when I was growing up. I was quite entrenched in a number of different sports. So I think a combination of those things as well, just a, a general interest or I guess seemed to excel at bio, physical education, similar subjects. So that led me towards, I guess, being a bit passionate about the strength conditioning area. Admittedly, I always wanted to go and do physiotherapy. I think through my own footy career um, and sporting career, I had a lot of exposure to physiotherapists. Um, The characteristics, I think, that being able to help people, um, be invested in them, but generally try and make a difference was something that really appealed to me. So that was ultimately what I endeavoured to go on and achieve. Um, And fortunately, ended up in a Bachelor of Exercise Science. So I didn't quite get the marks to get into physio initially, but always endeavoured to go on and pursue that career path. I was pretty fortunate along the way to meet a number of different, I guess, mentors um, who kind of oriented me in the right direction, but also having a bit more exposure to physiotherapy as a profession, particularly within the AFL industry from the outset, um, allowed me to recognise that ultimately I think I was more invested and more attracted towards the performance side of things. So it led me down towards high-performance sport and completing a master's degree at ACU. So I found myself at North Melbourne um, a couple of years later after Collingwood Footy Club was really, like, I guess I was really fortunate initially to get an internship there, but that was just purely out of me being proactive. And then... Subsequently, where I met yourself and Daniel Jones, got an opportunity with North Melbourne Footy Club at, in 2016, which led me to where I am today. 
Yeah, fantastic, mate. Well, um, you mentioned a couple of things there. So for developing strength and conditioning coaches that are tuned in either live or, or listening to the podcast recording, um, you mentioned how you, you started off wanting to focus on the physio path. Uh, and then after speaking to a few people in the industry, you start to shift towards more the performance, physical preparation side of things. Um, let's unpack that a little bit, like take us through for those that maybe are going through the same mindset. They're not sure they've just finished either high school or maybe they've done personal training for a few years and they're interested in physio, um, but they're also interested in the, in the physical preparation side. Um, how did you sort of seek those mentors and those people that had experience for one? And, and, and how did you come to that decision to, to choose that path of of strength conditioning? Yeah, I think ultimately it was probably due to just practical experience. Um, I was really proactive from the outset. I always had the ambition and drive to work in elite sport. And yep. as, I guess as challenging and as ruthless as the industry has been, I was always really adamant that that was what I wanted to do. I was passionate about it. Um, the more people I met along the way, mate, they really facilitated my growth and my development but allowed me to develop a pretty diverse skill set which fortunately it probably highlighted where I was more suited to with respect to the physiotherapy side or the S&C side. Um, again as I mentioned before I was really passionate always about holistic health and fitness but I think the athlete interaction performance enhancement side of things um, I seem to love the movement analysis side um, but also just a number of the subject matter that I went through with respect to my undergrad degree, I think that ultimately led me down that, that path. So it does take time. Um, undoubtedly, for, for younger aspiring coaches, it can be a bit confusing at times, but also a bit daunting. Uh, I'd really encourage them or implore them to continue to just get as much experience as they possibly can along the way. Yeah, it's such good advice, I think. Um more than ever now. I mean, it's only getting more and more competitive, but also with COVID cuts, there's, there's less budgets in certain areas and, and probably less jobs or, or certainly more competitive at all um, levels to, to get experience. But um, ultimately, opposed to reading a, a book and, and that sort of thing, it's getting your hands dirty and experiencing it and then working out whether that is for you. And like you said, if you've got some strengths in that area, then you're probably more likely to open more doors. Um, whereas if you try something and it just doesn't quite resonate with you then you're probably going to be less likely less passionate about it and therefore the growth in that um, path may not be as, as strong is that how you sort of saw it yeah absolutely i think um along the way like we've all we've all got you know some identify really early at the outset of their career that this is the area that they want to work towards but for me i, I always had the mindset of never really wanting to pigeonhole myself to one area and hence try and diversify my skill set as much as i can um, admittedly, I'm, I'm not a physiotherapist because I didn't physio finish the degree. However, the the knowledge that I was able to gain through doing that course, but also spending some time with you know some really reputable physiotherapists and practitioners along the way, ultimately kind of led me to my current role or yep. previous role um, with, with respect to rehab coordination. And but despite that, I guess in today's environment and operating on a skeleton staff, you know. I was really fortunate to also be able to do programming for a number of the athletes, not just the rehab guys, also learn off some really, really reputable mentors with respect to conditioning but also load management. So it it's allowed me to become a, a really holistic practitioner, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well-rounded and, and it's such the modern day, either you call it S&C or modern day physio where there's a lot of overlap and 
um, you know, the team dynamic between the two of, of working closely. It's not that rare now to see physios on the gym floor and on the field running speed sessions and um, and S&Cs equally going into the medical room and, and asking how certain players have pulled up and, and being in tune with screenings and all that sort of thing, So, which, which is great for your development, isn't it, like learning the medical side of things and how that sort of feeds into the, the physical and then and there's nothing more important than probably in rehab that team aspect for physios and S&Cs. Yeah, absolutely. I think team cohesion is paramount. Um, communication is something which you recognise early. It's, it's just it really is so critical um but again as you highlighted or mentioned before it's it's something which goes a long way with respect to trying to achieve the vision that the coach as well as the team set out from from the outset but as you said it's allowed me to broaden not only my networks but develop uh, my own knowledge base and experience just through purely learning from some some really highly qualified professionals and you mentioned Collingwood Football Club while you're doing your degree. How did you set up that experience? Yeah, I was really proactive from the outset. Um, I was fortunate enough through VU to actually have a, I guess, have an interview with Marty Gervin, who came and presented to us. But I wanted to reach out early to him and and try and acknowledge that you know this was my ambition, this was my passion. Is there any opportunities with Collingwood Footy Club? And he recommended that I. I just apply for an internship there, um, which I did straight away. And fortunately, they gave me the opportunity. And one thing led to another. It went on to a part-time role. And then um, fortunately, I was there for a couple of years learning off some some really reputable people in Dean, who you um, interviewed previously, but also a few others like Benny Shippard and guys who still remain there today. And you, and you mentioned the connection with Daniel Jones at the Australian uh, Australian Editioning Level 2 course. Mm. Uh, so did you guys obviously connected and you must have had similar philosophies and just got along as people and how did that then connect to a job? Did he reach out to you? Did you reach out to him? Take us through sort of, I guess, for S&Cs that want to network but maybe don't know how to turn it in a, you know, a mateship into a professional sort of networking and, and how to bridge that gap. Yeah, I think from the outset, you know, we we had a really good relationship. Jonesy was similar in age to me. He pursued a similar pathway, um, really passionate about the rehab side of things and at the time was the rehab coordinator at North Melbourne. Timing was was key in that instance. They happened to have an, an opportunity available where myself and one of my colleagues, Josh Humphreys, got an opportunity there. Um, and we, we were both... Um, Similar within our career paths, but him probably a bit more focused on the S and C side, and then myself more towards that rehab. Um, but over the seven years, have become really, really good mates, learnt off one another. So I think from the outset, trying to identify how that you can potentially create these relationships, which whether they lead to something or not, I think just being able to learn off other professionals is something which you should really always have in the back of your mind. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And, and you mentioned mentors and influencers uh, who spring to mind into some, of some guys that have helped shape your career and help you get to uh, all that you've done today. Yeah, I think there's a multitude of them, Jack. Um, the guys like Alex Moore, John Siegel, Daniel Jones, Dan Meehan, as well as my immediate colleagues. So, you know, Josh Humphreys, Tanya Gallo, Dave Sobey and the likes of. So they... All of those epitomise everything I could have ever wanted in 
not only mentors but colleagues. I think they were very driven, very humble, um, empowered me to do my role but also complemented my role. So gave me the confidence that I could have some autonomy over the role but align it with the vision and the values of the team. So they've been brilliant for me along the way and, and people who I've stayed in touch with literally every day of my life. So I can't, I, I implore anyone coming through the system to try and identify some people who are really going to, I guess, facilitate your progress and your development along the way, each with their own respect. John Siegel from a conditioning standpoint, but Alex Moore from a strength conditioning, he, he actually came from the NBA system and it's something that I aspire to do in the future, but being able to learn off him as well as John just throughout the course of my career has ultimately led me to be the, the practitioner I am today. I'm merely a byproduct of their tutelage. Yeah, there's some big names there and, and no doubt um, you would have got a fair bit from those guys. And, and how did you come, you know, after seven years, like how much of you has your own personal sort of philosophy developed? Uh, obviously learning off these guys, but then also learning um, uh, of other other practitioners in the industry um, through experience. Uh, seven years is a long time in elite sport, particularly at one club. Uh, how much has your philosophy sort of shaped over the last seven years? I think it's changed drastically, Jack, in all honesty. I think from year to year you kind of develop um, – you're always on this exploration of, of developing yourself, not only as a practitioner but just a general knowledge base. Yeah, I was fortunate enough over my time to spend a couple of months at Altus learning off Stu McMillan and Dan Path, the likes of. So that that gave me a whole new outlook on strength and conditioning, but also um, just my own philosophies and values, um, particularly not only as a coach, but also just how I've implemented S&C programs. Alex has given me, I guess, the liberty to be quite flexible in my approach as well. So not only be, not only mimic what they're doing, but essentially have your own style. Um, yeah. Ultimately, I think in the last seven years, each year I'd say, geez, I wish I knew that the previous year. So it's amazing when you reflect and going through it now, um, when you're presenting to a multitude of different organisations, it's, it's something which I've really reflected upon and would go, it, it changes as the years go on in all honesty. Yeah, that's amazing, mate. It shows your mindset uh, is one that's wanting to, to grow and learn and, and continually work on your craft. And uh, it sounds like that was something you, you started on pretty early, like you mentioned, to get experience early while doing your degree and, and it hasn't stopped. Uh, how do you go about managing your, your energy levels and your own sort of, I guess, what you would call it work-life balance uh, working in elite sport? Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. I think elite sport... Yeah. It is very time-consuming. I think from the outset, you dedicate so many hours in this constant pursuit of not only knowledge but trying to trying to prove yourself and your worth. Yep. Um, I think ultimately along the way, it's I don't regret anything that I've done. I think early days that you do make a number of sacrifices along the way, but it's it's worth everything in terms of the reward, but also the passion that all of us have and. Again, I think coming back to the younger coaches coming through, mm. just encouraging them to stay within their realms about what they enjoy doing. I think ultimately you'd prefer to enjoy what you do 
as opposed to finding yourself in something which you're not necessarily as passionate about. Yeah. Um, we we innately, I guess, or just naturally change jobs throughout the course of our lives. So it, we're not stuck in, you know, ancient society where you're in, in jobs for 40, 50, 60 years. So today's day and age, it's, it's really something, I guess, that I've been cognizant of all along is just trying to continue to learn and develop along the way. Yeah, and the rehab role, um, you know, like you mentioned, the rehab coordinator role for someone who's not aware on on how that works within an AFL program. Um, who are your sort of who are sort of your key relationships within the program, and and what sort of like a what are I guess your key pillars um, for for the rehab coordinator role? Yeah, so I think every club or every organisation approaches it slightly differently. For mine having a, a really close relationship with not only the medical team but also the performance team but with respect to certain individuals definitely your rehab physio um so i mean daily the communication is paramount there but also the docs just for their input around pathology um but coming back to your question before just also the input of alex josh and my fellow colleagues in how i can apply best practice so I was always big on, I guess, involving expert opinions. So whether that be particular surgeons or specialists within their their respective areas, I think that contributed to not only the way I thought about certain pathologies and ways that we can rehab them, but involving other people for different ideas just was something which I found to be, you know, really beneficial along the way. I think sometimes we get it in a bit of a fixed mindset when we approach anything that we do. So being able to branch out, continue to develop, but also involve other experts where possible. Yeah, it's such a, that's, that's a real gem of, of, of some advice there. Uh, you, you can see why you would be fixed because it, you're comfortable with what you know, don't you? But to ask questions when, especially uh, in any role, but I can imagine in elite sport and rehab, there's a fair bit of pressure on it um, because, you know, players want to come back. Uh, yesterday um, and so to, you know coaches want them back and you know there's there's a hell of a lot of uh, people at, at stake um, so ha- how do you go about asking those questions um, is it people that you know within the industry is it just keeping it to those that you work with um, and, and also from the fixed mindset point of view is that something that you've deliberately worked on that that you're aware um, people can tend to to go down that that route and, and what do you do to try and make sure that you, you're staying open with your mindset? Yeah, I think that was a bit of a philosophy that we adopted collectively, Jack. Um, yep. We were always, we never were complacent. We always wanted to implement best practice. But I think through your own networks as individuals and as we spoke about before, you've all got your own mentors that along the way you want to try and utilise. So whether that be my own personal mentors or the rehab physios mentors. So I was fortunate enough, Matty Turnbull was one of our, our physios along the way who, who was brilliant and I was fortunate to learn off for a period of time. But one of his mentors was Craig Purdom. So having his input, his knowledge, um, but also just a, a different approach to the way that we could go about it and, and just brainstorming things. So for me, that's been something that I've really tried to to be cognizant of along the way is just as i said before involvement of external practitioners and experts in their respective fields awesome mate and for the developing footballers that are tuned in um when you start working with an athlete and you're sort of taking them through 
not an interview process, but you're just trying to discover and 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 uh, detect, be a bit of a detective and work out what was what was their lifestyle up until the injury and and everything that that's and how they go about things. Um, what excites you from their sort of mindset and their preparation point of view? When when do you sort of get a feeling like oh, I think we're going to get a pretty good result with this athlete? Yeah, I think one of the keys for me that I look for is just that mental fortitude or resilience, um, yeah. whether that be through adversity or within any facet of life, that you find the guys who excel at whether it be their sport or or just life in general, I think they're they're really driven, they're dialed in, they're attuned to their own body, but they're also aware of so many things that they can do to improve their performance. Um, I think a lot of the younger footballers coming through the system, they're overwhelmed with information and it's incumbent upon us to orient them in the right direction. But there's the anomalies that you find who come into the system straight away and whether they have what they possess that immediately or it's something that they develop mm. a common trend with respect to your high level athletes who really excel at the elite level is just that mental resilience to to push through um whether it be training whether it be their attitude towards con- constant learning pursuit of further development it, it's just such a big factor yeah yeah and well what are some ways that you can build resilience for, for developing footballers that are listening in that aren't quite in the AFL system yet? Um, what are some successful methods that you've seen work or that you implement with your uh, training philosophy? Yeah, I'm, I'm big on collaboration, camaraderie and relationships. I think that identifying a few guys within the system, particularly a few of our leaders at the club, and trying to have them nearly mentor some of the younger guys um, a lot of younger guys are, again, overwhelmed when they get into the system just because of this influx of information. But they're also really enthusiastic and, and driven because they do want to succeed. Everyone wants to succeed. Um, but looking to your mentors, having a good culture surrounding them, I think particularly from the experienced senior guys, if you can pair them up together and show or demonstrate how they go about their training, their utilisation, resources whether that be massage physio ice bars recovery modalities anything i think adopting their approach and their mindset is is a way that i've gone about it in the past where we can pair up one of the senior guys with those younger boys coming through the system yeah and no doubt you've you've faced some challenges in the role um what what would be a standout challenge that you you faced over your seven years at north and and what did you learn um, from that challenge i think we touched on it briefly before it's Probably when you're young, I think that we're all driven to excel at the elite level or we all want to make it to the elite level, but you have to do your time. I, I think that there's so much, so many sacrifices you make along the way, whether that be financially or through your friendship groups, socially, whatever that may be. I, I reflect now and go, look, you know, ultimately I, I'm really fortunate to be where I am and have achieved what I have, but. It, it, admittedly, it didn't happen without sacrifices. So I think recognising from the outset that if it's something you're really passionate about, pursue it because if you love what you do, you're going to excel at it. Don't be caught in, in a mundane job which you hate going into work every day because in all honesty, if there was no monetary value associated with what we do, I would still do it because I, I generally love what I do. I love the relationships my colleagues that I work with, I've been really fortunate, again, to, to learn off some reputable people. But 
come into work every day and just generally enjoy the environment, that's something which is really important for me. Yeah, and is that something that, like, you touched on something um, pretty unique there. It's it's not necessarily working um, for the North Melbourne Football Club, but if the people are part of the North Melbourne Football Club that bring that environment, that culture, that people maybe term it as. But, yeah, that environment you talked about is what makes you excited about being a part of it. Um, is that something that you felt when you were in Collingwood or did you know that, that you, you already had a sense before your first experience in AFL that, that elite sport was something that you wanted? Yeah, I think slightly different environments. I think I was much more, uh, much younger coming through the system when I was at Collingwood Footy Club. So probably didn't have as much, whether, whether it be influence or input into decision making. I think that as I managed to become a bit more experienced and have more responsibility and ownership, you, you really become, I guess, ingrained in the program. Um, not to say I was never invested because I always always wanted to make it at the elite level um, and prove my worth. But it, it was something, I guess, when you juxtapose the two, North Melbourne, I had a, had a lot of stability with our performance team for a long period of time. They are some of the best people I've ever worked with in my life. Um, and I know that I'm merely, as I said before, a byproduct of, of their influence, but they've allowed me to succeed and excel at my job. So I've really got them to thank for it. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned off air that you've um, you've finished up at North Melbourne Football Club for, for those that are tuned in that aren't aware, but you've mentioned on, on Instagram, so it is public, public college, but... Um, take us through, was it a difficult decision to make? Uh, how long did it take you to sort of come up with that decision? And um, yeah, take us through um, how difficult it was because I'm sure it would have had its challenges if you were there for seven years and you clearly loved the place. Yeah, a bit of mixed emotions. I guess that I, I wasn't the only one who who left North Melbourne. There was a number of us who did, who I spent the vast majority of seven years with. So for me, it, it was... A bit bittersweet. I think that you're always looking forward to the next opportunity. Um, but to have developed the relationships with not only my immediate colleagues but the boys for a long period of time is something that I'll be forever grateful for. But admittedly, was was really hard um, because they're a big part of your life. You're aware of it. Just the amount of time that you invest into not only elite sport but what you do. You never do anything. You never do your job for yourself. It's ultimately what you can achieve on an individual level, but also from a collective sense. So for mine, it was challenging to say goodbye, but at the same time, I think you look at the opportunities that are going to present themselves, the excitement of working with a new cohort of athletes, um, but also continuing to learn and develop off some other practitioners who will also be reputable um, is something which is very appealing and I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it, yeah, fantastic, mate. Well said. Um, you mentioned that you weren't the only one. It, it does seem that this is, or well, certainly from my point of view, and this is only anecdotal, that there's never been more movement uh, in AFL than, than this year. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's no coincidence with, with COVID. For, for those that weren't involved in hubs and, and the last two years in AFL, how, how challenging has it been? And, and what would you say the extra toll of, of workload has been if you... You know, is it extra 20% on a normal work week or 30 or, or is it hard to put a number on it? 
Yeah, it, admittedly, it probably is hard to put a number on it. I think just because of the ever-changing environment, the unpredictability of week to week, um, the uncertainty of knowing where you're playing, who you're playing, but also if you're going to be remaining in the state. You know, we, we spent the vast majority of last year in Queensland and spent periods of time in different states this year. So I'm pretty fortunate in the sense that I don't have kids and a wider family um, which are dependent upon me. So from that standpoint, I consider myself you know, fortunate this period of my life. Having said that, the I guess the emotional toll that it, it's taken on a number of my immediate colleagues um, as well as, you know, yourself at times, it, it is a roller coaster. But admittedly, you come back to do you love what you do and the answer is always yes and you wouldn't have it any other way. You've just got to find ways to operate, particularly now on a skeleton staff, in an ever-changing environment that hopefully sooner rather than later we get a bit more predictability because it makes our lives a lot easier from a planning standpoint. But having said that, I've learned so much in, with respect to being fluent and adaptable in my approach, but once again, diversifying the skill set across GPS, load management, S&C, conditioning, doing it all. Um, just due to the sheer fact that, unfortunately, a, a lot of our staff did get let go during that COVID period due to financial circumstances. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's something I imagine would have been the case. You'd have to be so well rounded and 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 learn quick. I, I imagine um, what would be a an area that you've found that you've developed the most since since COVID is it it was it the sports science that there was less support with or was it um, maybe in rehab you used to have an assistant that, or, or interns that would help you take us through sort of like the, uh, you know, what areas did you feel you had to sort of adapt to the most? Yeah, I think my natural strengths were always towards the conditioning side. Um, I love conditioning. I've got a background in it. But having said that, as a as a rehab coordinator, I, I've been really fortunate to, to learn off Dave Sobey, who complimented me a lot. Um, but I've got a lot to, to thank him for because just the ability to generate GPS reports, analyse loads, um, implement them from not only a rehabilitation standpoint, but a, I guess, return to play end phase rehab. So there's been a number of people who have influenced how I've gone about that. But um, yeah, I think an array of areas, but that would probably be the primary one. Yep, awesome. We'll have a short drink break, guys. This is just a little video about one of our athletes on our program. Hey guys, Paul Curtis here from the Western Jets Football Club. And um, this year I was fortunate enough to get help from uh, Prepare Like a Pro, um, helping me prepare uh, for the draft combine. Um, my normal week would consist of, well seeing as uh, I was trying to improve my 2K, would consist of um, endurance days. Um, I'd have a feel good day where uh, I try and work on my running technique and just feel comfortable in running. Um, have my speed days. Um, have some injury prevention exercises, um, lower body sessions and upper body sessions. Um, what I enjoyed most about the program um, was how Jack was quite invested in me, um, always checking up on me, giving me feedback. Um, we looked at my diet, um, so the stuff off the field, so hydration, sleep, uh, motivation levels and all that. So yeah, highly recommend and yeah, I um, enjoyed the uh, journey. And welcome back, guys. We've got the uh, personal side of our podcast. So this is um, 
a little bit of a lighter touch, Maddie. It's it's nothing to do with S&C, but it's just an opportunity for the Patreon members to get to know you a little bit more, mate. Um, first one is which movie or TV series has impacted you the most and why? Oh, that's a, that's a good question, actually. Um, I think I probably need to have a, a good think about that. But admittedly, when I was in the, the hub, I'd never watched Friends from start to finish. Yeah. Um, and managed to, to bash out the whole series of it. So I think from just a relationship standpoint, I am a big relationship person myself, but the, the environment that they create, the bonds they have with one another, I think is something which I compare to, to my immediate team. Um, yeah. And it's why I've enjoyed my last seven years so much because of, one, the support they've given me, but I walk, I walk into work every day and I'm always laughing. I'm always happy. Admittedly, when there's other stresses going on within your life, you always come back to your basic fundamentals and, and friendship for mine is, is such, a, such a key. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Jeez, friends, so you watched every episode. Yeah, well, I mean, we were up there for the vast majority of the year, so I managed to bash out the whole season of it. There wasn't a, when we were definitely humming um, in the two weeks quarantine. Not to say that I got it done in two weeks, but yeah, there was a lot of a lot of downtime, particularly during the quarantine period. Very nice. Uh, what about this one? Favorite inspirational quote or life motto? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I actually just read. I've got it on my phone now. Believe it or not, is one by Kobe Bryant, I might actually grab it, is the biggest mistake we make in life is thinking we have time. And I think it's so pertinent to the the world that we live in right now. I think that there's undoubtedly a lot of people who wish that they'd travelled or had done X, Y and Z before COVID because the world's going to be drastically different moving forward. But for mine, I think that that really resonates with me because and particularly where I'm going in my career, because I'd rather look back and go, I made the most of every opportunity rather than second guess myself. So that's a really pertinent quote for me at the moment. Yeah, yeah, from the great man Mumbo as well. It's, uh, um, yeah, I love it. I'm a big fan of that. Um, in your work life, what makes you angry? What are your, your pet peeves? I'm not really an angry person, in all honesty. I think in my work life, I think it's, Probably more just frustration at myself that admittedly at times I probably spend a bit too long in the club. Um, I am someone who's really meticulous and attention to detail is a big thing for me and it always has been, but also just the investment in what I do. And again, I love what I do, but sometimes the, the things that I've missed out on in terms of social events and a few other things, that's something that I do get frustrated at myself about admittedly. Yeah, yeah. And, and would there be... From an athlete's point of view, if there's something that gets on your nerves or you're too calm? Um, I, I think I've managed to have such good relationships with the majority of our athletes that I, I haven't really come across too many instances where that's been applicable. However, there's undoubtedly, I mean, throughout your career, you always come across some athletes who they're just so talented that they really just want to do the bare minimum of work. They're there to play football. Um, and that's okay, each to their own. But I think when you recognise talent, you, you think of their ceiling and how how much further they could go and how much better they could be. That's something which does irk me a tiny bit because you know that they can be so much better if they actually put in 5%, 10% more work. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, what's your favourite way to spend your day off? 
this is COVID-free world, these next two questions. Yeah, I think this would be familiar to you, mate. It would be down the coast. Um, yep. I love it down the beach. I think it's the ocean's therapeutic. Um, I've got some really close friendship groups down that way, but it's quiet. I love surfing. I love getting away. So just taking your mind off work-related stresses, concerns, definitely down yep. there. Yep. And then favourite holiday destination and why? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I've really, I've really enjoyed, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to do a bit of travel when I went through my undergrad degree. So I traveled with a really close group of mates, but we went to Barcelona, um, the UK, a number of European countries. But admittedly, it's my love for, for travel has probably been more centralized around America. Um, I, I've loved New York. I've managed to do a lot of PD over there. Daniel Jones is there in Brooklyn now. So having spent time with him, but also in New York itself, I absolutely loved it because I am. I prefer to be down the beach. I prefer to be away from the congestion of the city. But yeah. New York is chaotic and it's everything that I thought I wouldn't enjoy, but I loved it. So I'd go back to New York in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's a jungle, isn't it? The city yeah, um, I'll never forget that moment when I was going over. I can't remember what the bridge is called, but you see it for the first time when you're in a bus and it just uh, it takes you back. It's a, it's just a remarkable place. It is, yeah. It, it's uh, very unique and the energy is infectious, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so for those that haven't been able to travel the last couple of years or, or haven't been able to leave the country, hopefully, like you said, have that Kobe mantra and uh, don't wait around, just get it done, live life. Absolutely. Um, well, we'll start to wrap it up, mate. Thanks so much for your time. What, what are you excited about for 2021? What's on the horizon for you? Yeah, I think from a general standpoint, just the return to some sense of normality. Um, in all honesty, I think getting out of the unpredictability, but also just the view that no one's no one understands or is aware of what's coming next. Um, personally, for me, it's the excitement of working with a new cohort of athletes working for different people, learning, continuing to develop my skill set, and hopefully that'll lead me on to bigger and better things in, in future. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, we'll, we'll stay tuned and, and no doubt there's some big things ahead. And thanks so much for, for sharing your time tonight and, and being open and honest with your experiences, both the, the highs and lows and all the learnings you've had over your, your great career so far. So thanks so much, mate. No, I appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me. Awesome, Matty. We'll see, see you soon, mate. mate. Thank you, mate. Catch up. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Our next Prepare Like a Pro live chat show will be Thursday night with uh, Essendon's midfielder Dylan Shield. You can tune in for that one just like this one tonight on our YouTube channel, and that will be 8 p.m. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you tuned in late, make sure to watch that from the very start. Matty talked about his career progressions, his mindset, and how he went about it, not only waiting for to complete his degree to get experience, but actually started while doing his degree. And um, I think you'll get a lot out of it for, for strength and conditioning coaches, but also developing footballers, um, talking about the physical and mental side of rehabilitation and strength and conditioning. So make sure to tune in. You can watch that whole episode on our YouTube channel. Thanks, guys. Till next time. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, 
head sports dietitian at Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changers, sure yeah, game changers whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know it might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um, yeah. so that's that's been huge um i think i wish back then when i was younger i asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things mm -hmm. i think i was a bit single-minded back then and um you know i thought there was one way of doing things and um if i kind of didn't have that fear fear of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment it would have got me a lot further and i probably would have learned a lot quicker um and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro 
or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.